0: A new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley. With premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more. All built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the Leather Collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new Leather Collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.
0: Let the word go
2: forth. Fool me once.
3: Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on shame on you. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted
2: by Ben Kissel. boom, we can't get fooled again.
3: Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. And Fernando. How you guys doing? We're doing good, Ben. We're doing
4: good. Fernando speaks for me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. I love it.
3: All right. We got a great episode for you guys today. We're going to talk a little bit about the monetization of activism. I'm not sure if people are aware of this, obviously kind of on the heels of AOC's Met Gala. We'll talk about it a little bit. But really, the larger theme is the corporate over overlords putting their grubby fingers into what it means to be an activist as Mm. a matter of fact there's a new cbs show coming out Mm -hmm. called the activist (gasps) it reminds me a little bit of a show called
4: murder she wrote
3: (laughs) the apprentice
4: oh very which is a little (laughs) bit scary
3: (laughs) so we will talk about that we're going to talk also about biden to withdraw from afghanistan it continues his political life uh, it's taken a bit of a hit his approval ratings are now down to about 42 percent however what does it mean in the grand scope of things we'll also discuss a bit about blinken mm-hmm. or you'll miss him and of course millie as there's a new book out uh, again by bob woodward the man who has made so many m-
4: books. The man who has so many
3: books and maybe has made more money off of Trump than Ivanka. Yes, I don't. That's my only fair. complaint.
4: Totally fair. about
3: the entire thing. Every scandal that occurred throughout the administration. People are like, "Oh my god, I'm really concerned. I'm going to be deported." Oh no, what's happening with our country? It's being torn apart. And Bob Woodward was like, "I got a book for twenty five ninety nine. You're going to love it." Okay, so again, making some money wherever he can, but. Uh, As with all things, there is some information in there that is quite interesting. And of course, we will discuss that. But before we get to that, let's talk about the 2021 California recall election. Governor Gavin Newsom. It's too close to call. Too close to call. (laughs) He was able to survive politically. He got 63.9% of the vote. By that, I mean 63.9% of Californians voted no on the recall. Well, 36.1% voted yes. Interesting breakout if you look at the people who could have possibly replaced Newsom. We have to start with our near and dear Caitlyn Jenner because (laughs) I don't know what happened, Caitlyn. She's been everywhere everywhere, Mm -hmm. talking, whether it be Sean Hannity or anyone that will listen. (laughs) Caitlin was out there. She was pounding the pavement uh, similar to how her Daughters pound a lot of other things, but she was focused and there's nothing wrong with sex. She was focused. However, she only got 1.1% of the vote. She said people vote for the government they want, but evidently they did not want Caitlyn Jenner in charge.
4: Congratulations, Caitlyn, for getting Worse than Ben Kessel and Travis Irvine numbers. That ain't
3: right. All right. The big winner was Larry Elder. He came, of course, big winner in the losers category. (laughs) (laughs) He came away with 46.9% of the vote. What do you guys think about that? Because, of course, Larry Elder, not endorsed by the Republican Party. Right. Interestingly enough, a Democrat was second in the voting. Uh, That was a fellow named Kevin Paffrath. And he got 9.8%, obviously, barely making a dent. But Larry Elder coming in at 46.9%. In the world of the psychotic, which is the world of people who would run for political office, do you think he wakes up today and is like, well, at least I didn't do as horrible as Caitlin"? Like, is this (laughs) almost in a perverted way for him? Like, some sort of, like, maybe I should give it another chance. But then, of course, the flip side of that is... Is this another indicator that Trump is no longer the kingmaker that he thought he was? Because we have Mm -hmm. Larry Elder, who perhaps overperformed, to be frank, because he was polling around 30%. That's what they were saying. But then we also have the fact he still lost Mm -hmm. in a massive, massive way, with, of course, the recall being almost, well, not quite, but, you know, 60. We'll just call it 60-30 and shave off the top points there. So what do you guys think this means? What does it mean for california politics going forward i don't know if the trump wing of the republican party feels good today i would assume they don't however again if you're larry elder is an individual i don't know at least someone voted for your ass right
5: it, to me it was a republican-led recall sure. so i expected the numbers to be more republican um but you know the, the the democrats held out they they went and they said no we don't want the guy that we already elected to be re-elected but solely because it was a binary choice right i fit yes exactly yeah. what i was gonna say and there was no good option for democrats we already have him in office that's what you know a lot of these democrats believe and the
3: other democrats that were running i i never
5: heard of them.
4: exactly right. so
3: that kind it hurts the cause a little bit.
4: Absolutely, and it is important to point out that obviously the majority of voters, registered voters in California, are Democratic. I think it's forty some percent along those lines. But then you got about thirty some percent independents, and then I believe uh, the Republicans have even dropped to under thirty percent here in California. So it's kind of the you know the the balance to a state like Wyoming, which continually right. goes sixty five percent, seventy percent Republican uh, for president and statewide offices usually. He kind of got that happening here, except on the Democrat side in, in California. This is pretty much a 65 to 70 percent plus uh in favor of the Democrats.
3: But now that does not mean, as we talked about in our pre-production today, that does not mean you can't have a Republican governor. Arnold mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger was right. there from 2003 to 2011. It just requires a more moderate Republican, which to me. Yeah. Always to me, that's I like to vote for people who are whose brand is against the norm for that sure. place. So if you're a Texas Democrat, for example, like um, not Geraldine Ferraro, I'm thinking of oh, she was mean. She was like Maude.
4: Oh, um, Ann Richardson. Ann Richardson. Yeah, if you're like an Ann
3: Richardson Democrat, yeah. What a perfect mix for Texas because she was a badass bitch, yeah. but she was still a Democrat and no doubt she would not have allowed for these horrific policies that Abbott have, has put forth to uh, to thrive mm-hmm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with the idea of a good moderate uh, opposition party coming through and taking over a state house. In this case, however, mm-hmm. Larry Elder is no moderate by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, he's so far to the right that he almost made Newsom look like a moderate <laughs> and I think yeah. that also really helped Gavin, despite the fact, again, there are many issues here in California that do have to be dealt with. And I think the, the Californian people said yes. These things have to be dealt with. We right. know there right. are issues. You know, obviously Caitlin got made fun of a little bit for talking about the homeless situation because she did it in the richest way possible. Because she's like, <laughs> I saw someone stinky in Beverly Hills. And it's like, <laughs> okay. Have you been to your own house? So it's one of those things where we all agree there are things that have to happen. Mm-hmm. We need massive prison reform. We need we need education reform. Infrastructure always in California has to be on the forefront of our minds, not to mention. This entire state is on fire. So there are issues that we all agree on. But again, in the binary choice that was the most recent California recall, uh, Gavin Newsom was able to skate. Going forward, in the broader sense, we have what, as, uh, as a matter of fact, Travis mentioned, Wyoming. We have what's going on right now, again, when it comes to uh, Liz Cheney. No love lost there. Again, Liz Cheney is a woman who, when running for office, uh, disowned her lesbian sister because she thought it would hurt her when running. And, of course, she is the daughter of war criminal Dick Cheney. So no love lost there. That being said... There is a primary challenger to her. And that, of course, comes from the Trump wing of the Republican Party. That is going to be Donald Trump has endorsed, as we mentioned last week, Harry Hagman. Mm -hmm. She has been endorsed in the GOP primary to potentially take out Liz Cheney. If that does not happen, and let's be honest, push comes to shove, Cheney, Mm. that's why Wyoming is Cheney country. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that would happen, that would be a massive upset. But Whoa. another but let's let's say it doesn't happen. Another blow to the kingmaker that Donald Trump Wanted to be. Now, when we talk about Kingmaker, why does that exist? As we talked about before on this show, it's because of the money. And Donald Trump has a hell of a way to get his candidates money because he has Mm -hmm. been profiting nonstop and putting that profit into his own campaign coffers, future campaign. Perhaps he wants to run in 2024. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the possibility of that. But then, of course, he also has super PAC money. He has many people who support him. uh, These sort of quiet, underground, dare I say, swampy donations Uh, that many of these candidates get once Donald Trump touches them. That is something that uh, cannot be understated. And as we talk about with how money has corrupted American politics, because money is the root of all evil in many ways, not always, because you also need shoes. (sighs) But is it possible if Trump loses this, that we see the continued waning of Donald Trump as the party of Trump, As his followers still believe him, he will always have a fan base, but will it become as institutional? Will it become solidified as an institutional movement? Or again, will it be seen as a fringe here today, gone tomorrow? We're going to find out. I think the Hagman-Liz Cheney um, election is really going to be a very powerful indicator of how much Power Donald Trump actually has within the Republican Party.
4: Yes, I think 2022 is going to be your real um, answer to that question in terms of Trump's power. The midterms are going to be huge. You got a bunch of old GOP senators and congressmen who are straight up retiring. (laughs) They're done with this business. They're just done. And of course, you got Trump's already filling those spaces with Lara Trump running in North Carolina Mm -hmm. for Richard Burr's seat. Um, But I think you made a very good point. You know, a more moderate Republican, I think, could have actually done better here in California. Like you pointed of course. out. I mean, there's a big independent uh, voter group here in California. And again, California. things
3: aren't like hunky-dory. It's not like the greatest time. Right. Uh, because th- people are
4: struggling. Mm-hmm. People are mm-hmm. struggling. All the, the points that were made about the problems in California are correct. Sure. Lack of water. plethora of fires. Yes. so A plethora Scary. of homeless people. When you hear like, oh, we're going to have a water
3: shortage. I'm like, that's horrifying
4: we're surrounded by so much of it. Right. Right. And also here's your tax bill for the year, which is also some of the highest in the country. Exactly. I,
5: think that's what really helped newsome though it wasn't that it was newsome is that all the commercials focused on trump uh no well uh, focused on anti-trump rhetoric yes like, it's like he's anti-covid larry they didn't it, you didn't even have to say larry elder they just said his opposition right. is anti-covid his opposition is anti and this is the same thing that's happening over here with hegman it's it it doesn't matter who it is it's just that it isn't the person that said that trump cause the, you know, because the whole issue with the Hegman-Liz Cheney thing is similar to what happened here in California. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do that it's Hegman. It just has she's anti-Liz Cheney exactly. and everything that Cheney stood for.
3: And of course, we're going to talk a little bit later in this episode as well about Facebook and how they monetized anger and hatred. Uh, there's a whole breakdown about how the company knew that things that were going viral were very negative. And as we've also discussed in this uh, in this show many times, when it comes to people talking about the out group. So if you're a Democrat on Twitter, you talk 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 about Republicans and vice versa, Republicans talking about Democrats, as opposed to looking at the man in the mirror. (laughs) And that is something that we all have to do before we become our worst enemies ourselves. So that is a great point when it comes to, well, at least they are not. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, Donald Trump... um, That is the bread and butter of his political style, of course, learning that from whatever. I mean, it is what it is, but one of the greatest shysters of all time, your boy. Teflon Don. Not Teflon Don. (laughs) Roger Stone. Roger Stone. All right. Uh We actually have a quote here from Donald Trump I'd like Trump to read. Uh, This is Donald Trump talking about Wyoming and uh, talk, as, as Fernando mentioned, Broad stripes. Mm-hmm. We got some Bob Ross style happening here. Look at the pretty, not, These are not happy trees,
5: Ben. Look at the happy trees.
3: Look at the happy trees <laughs> getting tree. spilt on. Look at all the oil in the water. Beautiful. Um, all right. So let's have Donald Trump read why he likes Harriet Hagman.
4: Absolutely. And of course we know that he actually said this himself. Harriet Hagman adores the great state of Wyoming, is strong on crime and borders, powerfully supports the Second Amendment, loves our military and our vets, Mm -hmm. and will fight for election integrity and energy independence, which Biden has already given up, in parentheses. Unlike rhino Liz (laughs) Cheney, Harriet is all in for America first. Harriet has my complete and total endorsement, those are capitalized, Uh in replacing the Democrats' number one provider of sound bites. Liz Cheney, <laughs> Republican in name only. We
3: know what a rhino is. Woo! Thank you, Donald. Wow, scathing. It is, but again, it talk matter, about Donald right? Trump projecting what he is. <laughs> Liz yeah. Cheney. We know Cheney. And whatever. Again, I'm not going to keep on. You know me. I don't like the Cheney family. Donald mm-hmm. Trump provides so much more when it comes to soundbites <laughs> for the Democratic Party and dare I say many members of the Republican Party. It is hilarious. He is accusing Liz Cheney of that. But we will see what happens in 2022 uh, when it comes to the Trump endorsed candidates. How well will they do? Uh, His record at this point, it started pretty solid, but since then, it has gone downhill. And I believe the first indicator of that was Roy Moore in Alabama. As soon as Roy Moore Mm. gave up the Senate seat to a Democrat, the first time I believe since the early 90s, of course, that was given to Doug Jones, people were like, Um, Okay, well, maybe his bombastic style and I'm just going to call it creative political tone isn't something that the majority of Americans want, as, of course, Roy Moore lost a uh, tightly tightly contested election in Alabama, Roy being a former judge, but he did have a potential primary. He did have a uh, a primary candidate that was a much more moderate individual there in Alabama. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he would have beat Doug Jones by a dang mile. Right. So... There is a lot of damage being done to the Trump political brand and the Trump hotel brand and the Trump tie brand. There's (laughs) a whole bunch of damage being done. (laughs) Well, the steaks actually hold up. Okay, not (laughs) bad. If you like shoe leather, whoa, Cita, I'm coming. Put some ketchup on it. Put Put some some ketchup ketchup on it. it. So that is the question. And that is something that is the larger question that we are taking now from the 2021 California recall election. But again, Larry Elder. This dude is a crackpot. He's crazy. Um, He still got 46.9% of the voters who voted yes on the recall. So that is why... You get a little bit of everything for everyone. Right. But without a doubt, the person who got the nicest crab rangoon Ooh. is Governor Newsom.
4: And maybe it's worth pointing out that while Trump's bombastic contributions to any Republican primary race could prop up someone like Larry Elder, you're absolutely right. In the general elections, then, they could fail when it comes to independent voters, swing Democratic voters. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Because independent voters— At some point, you're no longer an agent of change. Mm. Once you've been there, you are now establishment. Mm -hmm. And just ironically, just by definition, Trump kneecaps himself when mm. it comes to being an agent of change yeah. as a former president.
4: Sure, yes. And of mm. course, the, the Roy Moore race that you're referencing, I believe, that the was beginning 20... of
3: the beginning of the end that of was... Trump's golden touch. Right,
4: because they had named Jeff Sessions as attorney general, so they had a special election. Roy Moore was profoundly unpopular, even in Alabama, just for his uh, uh, shopping mall antics. Well, the shopping mall
3: antics. I mean, th-
4: you know what? I'm not even going to take aside all of the. Um, political
3: rhetoric of the race. We see what's going on now, you know, nationally, when it comes to again Donald Trump and his brand. When it comes to Roy Moore, I don't even know if those things necessarily needed to be part of the campaign because if you look at his record as a judge, also very bad <laughs> over sentencing. <laughs> mm. Thy name is Roy Moore. Yes, right. I mean, and the man. It, it, It cannot be, as I always say, understated how horrific he was and how corrupt he was as a judge. Right. And uh, all of that stuff that surrounded him in the campaign, uh, I can't can't find it within myself to have any mild amount of sympathy for the man that is uh, nothing more than a political grifter and someone who has ruined people's lives with a smile. For his own career success, and that's exactly what he did—showing up on that stupid freaking horse to go vote, flashing (laughs) his gun like he's a man.
4: Right, and it is worth (sighs) pointing out that Doug Jones did win. Yes, he did. Then he did lose the seat to uh, a Trump-backed Tommy Tuberville, which was, I I believe, is a a football coach, uh, also profoundly unqualified. But you know, Alabama did eventually get back to their Republican ways. I say, obviously, California—I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon
5: um did tr- uh trump support larry elder specifically i didn't see he was that.
4: backed by trump's campaign team right so that's essentially and you know they've been kind of reaching for a while it was caitlin jenner for a while then uh, rick grinnell Ex- who's a former ambassador to nato um so they had a bunch of potential candidates but larry elder was i believe the one who emerged as the guy who was like i'll do it <laughs> that's right. that's kind of how i feel because i mean the the two million people that
5: voted for larry elder they kind of make sense they I, I can get that but the f- Fifty-five thousand people that voted for Caitlyn Jenner. I don't understand what they wow. were. Wow, you're
4: telling me I got more votes than Caitlyn Jenner. You it, buddy. Oh my God. And so,
5: so you know, um, you know, Biden was in town supporting Newsom. Right. Everyone was on TV supporting Newsom. Obama, Katie Perry, yeah, Bernie. But do you think that would have if we had Trump on television going vote Larry Elder?
4: Would have that made a bigger difference? No, I don't think, I don't so, think at so at all. Not in here. fact, I I was telling you guys before the show, I saw Larry Elder in a commercial where he was walking. His his dog along the beach by himself. And I was like, this is the weirdest (laughs) gubernatorial commercial I've ever seen. And then it was a relief factor commercial and it was airing in California. And I just, I put my hands up in the air. I was like, I don't know if this guy is going to win.
3: Yeah. And again, when it comes to Tommy Tuberville, yes, he is there. He is in the U S Senate right now in Alabama. And I think he is probably a bit bad shit as well, but his (laughs) campaign was not, it did not have the same. Trump vigor right. as Roy Moore Absolutely. it was different yeah. and that's sort of what i meant when it comes to the bombastic style of Trump which was really what and also Tommy Tuberville he probably would have been able to survive mm-hmm. in that primary against Roy Moore he probably would have beat him yeah. so i think it was a mixture of just a horrible candidate along with uh, with the visive bombastic rhetoric that the people of Alabama just said, this is too much for us. But of course, Tuberville being a former head uh, football coach, a collegiate football coach, and someone who is uh, perhaps a little bit more palatable yeah. to the people of Alabama. Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily certain how much the Trump support really changed that. So I'm not even going to put that in the category of someone that Trump anointed, right. because I think that was more Tuberville was probably going to beat doug jones
4: anyway right and if anything trump was probably more hands-off you know in 2018 especially with a race like that i mean it, it gets so contentious down there um it's like you said it's a miracle that doug jones even got through in a state like Africa. i got to meet doug jones in the airport
3: oh i took a picture on instagram oh. he was like what is this man is he going to try to attack me and i'm like i'm a big fan of your work sir thanks for being a senator and he said Oh, you be nice and i said yeah and we took a picture oh nice <laughs> isn't that nice so anyway just in conclusion Uh, The California recall, it has come, and it's gone, Mm. just like my
4: wife. (laughs) Whoa, and I will add that, of course, Newsom is up for re-election in 2022, so he's got to meet the benchmark again.
3: The second largest vote getter was a Democrat, again, was under 10%, but it is to be mentioned that there is a massive, massive swath of the Democratic Party both moderate and progressive, Mm -hmm. and small business owners, the people Mm -hmm. who own bars, who felt like they were scapegoated when it came to COVID policy, when in fact, of course, the majority of COVID cases were spread through supermarkets, and as the science comes out, as more data comes out, a lot of small business owners are like, why was I closed again? Mm. I had outdoor seating, we were doing all the math stuff. Yeah. So there are a lot of people very upset, and hopefully we can have some better candidates in 2022, which... It should be possible. There's millions of people in the state. You would think it would be.
5: I hope that the people that really wanted this to... Newsom is going to be
3: reinvigorated by this.
5: Yes, but, but I really hope that they don't think that that's a that you know that that seals the deal for next November. Yeah, does
3: he get a bunch of momentum with it? I don't know because it's also enough time away. Yeah, so
5: but oh. I think it's going to reinforce. It's going to it's a tempering for the Republican Party. They are they they saw where they failed here. They maybe don't see Larry Elder as that good of a candidate. They just kind of chose one. Right. Now they have time to prepare and well, now they but have don't forget time to battle. Larry
3: Elder was not endorsed by the Republican Party. That's true. So I do think there is something to his campaign that was mildly indicative of a a grassroots campaign, but of course having the radio Mm -hmm. experience and already having that large audience. I think he's been sort of cultivating that audience for about 30 years and yeah. in this case they
4: they did show up and then and, and support him and, well, and he had fox news as a reliable outlet that he could go on and talk at, at any given point but you are right it is interesting i've got the voter's guide here uh, for the recall election and larry elder was only officially endorsed by the american independent party not the republican party but as part of the uh ballot access process of even getting your name on the ballot to replace a recalled governor, um, you get to pick a party preference. So that's where they put their Republican or their Democrat. Mm, and I right. would like to give a shout out to Denver Stoner, who's apparently a deputy sheriff. <laughs> and uh, hey, maybe maybe he'll finally get some traction in 2022.
3: Absolutely. All right.
0: Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen posed that question to guests like Paul Ryan.
3: well, let's move on a little bit to what's going on now with the Biden administration, specifically talking about the continued withdrawal of Afghanistan. And uh, there's been some uh, definitely some bumps in the road for the administration. I think mm-hmm. that is safe to say. Safe. Uh, and as we're already seeing, people like Lauren Bo- Bobert. Lauren Boebert uh, demonizing the idea of taking in refugees or people who supported uh, the U S during the 20 year long war in Afghanistan, it's going to be difficult for him to, uh, if we have, so we're going to have a situation where we have people who are pro war, who are pro occupation, who are also anti refugee. Mm. And that's the contingency of folks that he's taking on. Now, granted again, If you want to talk about someone who was supposedly anti-occupation and anti-war, that would have been Trump Republicans when he was in office. But now, again, (laughs) as the binary world continues to spin and as politics continue to manipulate the human mind, now all of a sudden they're extremely against getting out of (laughs) Afghanistan and they just see it as a massive humanitarian crisis. We better go blow up some more bombs to save some lives so let's move on and talk a little bit about Tony Blinken. He is the Secretary of State. He just had a two uh, he just had 2 days of congressional testimony which uh, you know they got to give him some more than water. Everyone. You know even when Hillary she did like 11 hours. Yeah. Give me a Surge. Yeah. Give me a Mountain Dew or something like that. Thinking <laughs> of a diet a diet Coke or something. But what did you think uh Travis because I know you had a chance to watch much of this. Mm-hmm. What did you think about Blinken? How did he uh, you know act when it comes to the congressional theater? of him being uh, grilled for two days under oath. The one sad thing, and I think all of us who've been following politics, even relatively recently, I think many of us realize that a lot of the congressional hearings that we see on television are there for sound bites, for uh, politicians to use in their next ads. And unfortunately, the vast majority of information is discussed behind closed doors and is considered to be sealed for uh, always, air quotes, national security. But what did you think about Tony Blinken, because uh, certainly it didn't look like a lot of fun.
4: No, I don't think it's ever fun to be dragged in front of Congress for anything. <laughs> but I, I will say, you made a very good point, and that's honestly what I felt while I was watching it as well. Is um, the the duality, the 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 binary system that we live in. It was basically Republicans attacking Blinken, attacking the Biden administration, calling for Blinken to resign, calling the entire Afghanistan withdrawal, a disaster. It's exactly what you said. It's a time for sound bites, and it's a time to suck up to your own base, your own congressional base, mm-hmm. wherever it's been gerrymandered in this country. It's red meat if you're a Republican congressman to yell at a Democratic Secretary of State, especially following a situation like this. So, Of course. You're absolutely right. It was a lot of that. It was a lot of Republicans asking what the strategy was, um, calling it a disaster, calling on Blinken to resign, and you know that was just that was just the house of representatives then he went in front of the senate and i was very interested in the exchange he had with Senator Rand Paul, because Rand Paul went of after course. Blinken on the whole uh, th- the thing that the New York Times reported on, that uh, the U.S. basically droned uh, an innocent civilian that they thought was building bombs. And there's mm-hmm. obviously a lot of moving parts. The U.S. government's investigating. The U.S. military's investigating. But, you know, it was very interesting to see Senator Paul kind of go after Blinken and say, so we don't know who he killed. You know, he's trying to paint it like our, the... He's trying to paint it like the Biden administration is incompetent, right. but it's the exact reason that Trump and Republicans, including Senator Rand Paul, wanted to get out of Afghanistan in the first place.
3: Exactly. And of course, if you look at the uh, the no love loss between the Chinese and the Trump uh, acolytes, that was one of the main things that he ran on, right. which greatly hurt Jeb, Jeb Bush. of course, being an architect or at least behind the scenes when it came to the initial invasion in Afghanistan and Iraq.
4: The fascinating thing, of course, Rand Paul's been anti-war. He supported Trump getting out of Afghanistan. Right. But now that because it's Biden, he seems to have a problem with the withdrawal.
3: It makes everyone go insane. <laughs> did you see, speaking of insane, yes. did you see this exchange with, okay, so there's this dude, James Rich. He's a Republican out of Idaho. Oh. Idaho, I know. There's a whole series of fun jokes <laughs> Potato. in
4: there. Whoa.
3: He had one of the strangest exchanges with, uh, with Secretary of State Blinken. Yeah. So this is the exchange, and I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. He says, we've all seen this. We saw it all recently as yesterday. <laughs> Somebody in the White House has authority to press the button and stop the president. Cut off the president's speaking ability.
4: So who is that
3: person? I don't what know. What
4: is happening? <laughs> There's, he asked Blinken about it four or five times to the point that uh, Secretary of State Blinken started laughing in his answer. Mm. He's like, I don't know of that button. I don't know what you're talking about. It just kept responding. But to your point earlier, Ben, again, this is, you know, Rich is from Idaho. This is a safe Republican seat. Sure. And so he's just getting his talking points. So he can go back to Idaho and be like, I asked him about the button, y'all. The button. I asked him about that button. The, did, the the quiet button.
5: Did they see the? You know how Trump had a Dr Pepper button. I don't know if you guys. Heard I believe it, it was he, a diet, diet Coke Do- button. Did he saw? Did he see the diet Coke button I and don't think it was some sort know. of
3: mute? I don't even know if that is. I don't know what the hell is going on with the buttons. The buttons are making people go nuts. <laughs> so this is what Blinken said. Blinken says, I think anyone who knows the president, including members of this committee, knows that he speaks very clearly and very deliberately for himself again i'm not sure how clear it is but nonetheless i uh i digress ever slightly here rich goes on to say what are you saying that there is no one in the white house that can cut him off because yesterday that happened and it's happened a number of times before it's been widely reported that somebody has the ability to push a button and cut (laughs) off his sound and stop him from speaking and then again he says who is that person (laughs) what is happening and then again, Blinken says, there's no such person. <laughs> yeah. And then Rich said, so you're aware that this is actually happening because it happened yesterday at the interagency fire center. Widely reported. The media has reported on it. And it's not the first time it's happened. It's happened several times. And then he goes on. Are you telling me this committee that it, that this does not happen? That there is no one in the White House who pushes a button and cuts him off mid-sentence? And then Blinken says, that's correct. I'm dumber. I literally I use the reference all the time, but it feels like the end of Billy Madison. Yeah, it's like thank you for for that. We are all dumber. Get the fuck out of here. You know when
4: this button would have been super useful during the debate? Yeah, we could have. Yes, of course. (laughs) Oh my god. For the last five years, I mean, if the president has a button. My God, they could have used it on Trump. What does this have to do with, <laughs> with, with Afghanistan? Afghanistan. From Afghanistan. <laughs> right, Th- and that's the thing. Again, you know, that's largely the point of bringing someone like Anthony Blinken in front of Congress, in front of the Senate, so the Republicans can get out these talking points. I don't even know
3: what the talking point is. <laughs> I don't either. What psycho conservative? Not just it's not even. We I don't, don't know what it. conservative is anymore. Technically, Joe Scarborough's conservative. What psycho? magazines or uh, maybe they saw it on parlor what's he talking about also all of a sudden according to mr james rich the media is to be trusted when talking about the magic button (laughs) that shuts up biden I just don't. I don't know. (laughs) It's all so stupid. As again, uh, tens of thousands of Afghan refugees are waiting to see if the U.S. is going to do what we need to do, uh, which is take them in. And uh, as I've mentioned, as a son of an immigrant, uh, immigrants are the most loyal to America. And despite all of the saber rattling and uh, disgusting rhetoric coming out from the Boberts of the world, It is simply not proven to be true. As a matter of fact, if you look at crime breakdowns, immigrants commit much less than civilians or than citizens rather. Mm -hmm. So stop with the bullshit rhetoric. Mm -hmm. And again, as I drove across country last year, we got room. We took in foster kids. We we took in the Hmong foster kids after Vietnam. This is no different. We took in Hmong after Vietnam and this is no different. And we need uh, need to help these people. And uh, helping them would not be, in continuing the forever war that is costing us so much money. You get the feeling. The Defense Department just doesn't want to see a pay cut.
4: Well, and that's – yes, certainly the Defense Department doesn't want to see a reduction in their $740 billion budget. But it is very important. As you noted, Blinken made the point multiple times. He was like, we were given an option by the previous administration. Mm -hmm. This was the choice we had to face. You you were either going to follow through on withdrawal, which is what the Trump administration agreed to with the Taliban, or you're gonna have to ramp up the Afghanistan well, war you know again. What, and that
3: was Biden's choice. And now I you know, you think about it more and just the word withdrawal, right? Let's think about it from a drug perspective. Mm-hmm. Always from a drug perspective. Mm. Heroin, man. You're getting off of heroin. It sucks. It's the worst moments of your life. Drinking. Quit, Quit drinking. Quit drinking. You know? Sure. DTs. You're getting off of these drugs. You're gonna have a rough ass few few weeks. But the world's a better place. You will be a better person when you're finally kicked off of heroin. It's never (laughs) Mm -hmm. easy. Right. Withdrawal, it's much harder to, you know, as we've talked about, set the hook as opposed to pulling it out of the fish's mouth. You're going to get some guts with you. But the other option is just Just not
4: viable. Exactly. That's what Blinken made the point, Um, you know, that if Biden... Didn't get out now, it would have meant more resources yeah. and it would have been another five years, another 10 years. And as we've noted on this show before, it doesn't matter if we would have pulled out of Afghanistan 10 years ago mm-hmm. after we mm-hmm. killed Osama bin Laden or 10 years from now. This was unfortunately going to be the reality once you pull out of a Absolutely. country that you've inhabited for 20 years.
3: And again, oh, it's just Rand Paul. Con- Continues to just make me upset. <laughs> oh, anyway,
4: let's move if on. If only there was a button we could press. If only there was a button. <laughs> you got to hit the mute button on him. Uh, the mute button. We all know this. You saw it in the media. If Biden was a robot. He'd be like super smooth. I almost it like it's like Blinken should just explain to Senator Rich the remote control. It's like yes, the mute button on your. You're right. You're the person with the button. <laughs> he was just sitting on the couch. You <laughs> just kept on sitting the on your mute. mute button. It's like who's pressing there? Who's pressing there? Oh, it's me.
3: All right. Well, coming up on the 18th of this month, there's going to be a uh, Defend the J6 rally, which is people who are going to go and defend, I guess, people who were um, charged with crimes after they invaded the United States government trying to stop a free and fair election. So, Travis, again, I know you know a little bit about this when it comes to Millie. This fellow, he was discussed in uh, Bob Woodward's book. Uh, journalists reported that Millie called his Chinese counterpart during the final days of the Trump administration to reassure the country that the president did not have plans to attack China as part of a ploy to remain in the White House. John Bolton, who previously worked with the Trump administration, um, actually backed up Milley. Uh, He says that he's a patriot, and uh, anyone who would say otherwise is wrong. John Bolton, of course, uh, a notorious war hawk uh, who I don't think makes a habit of defending people that would hurt him politically. So I do think there is something to that, again, talking about people kind of going against the grain a little bit. But what do you think about this? Because it does seem, and again, it is a testament to how chaotic of the Trump administration were.
4: Right. A bunch of people had resigned after Mm -hmm, January 6th.
3: mm -hmm. Uh, It's a testament to, again, the abusive relationship that we were all in for four years, the (laughs) gaslighting, Mm -hmm. the tweets, the speaking out of both sides of your mouth, the, again, projecting what you do onto others and blaming them for the Mm -hmm. exact thing that we watch you visibly do every (laughs) freaking day. But I will say this. It is a little bit strange for Millie to secretly have a conversation with his political counterpart in China. He wasn't talking to Xi Jinping or anything. right. It is a little bit odd for him to have that conversation and sort of uh, expose or or uh, divulge theoretically important things when it comes to the u s. military and when it comes to the United States president. So I don't I mean, I understand the reason why. It's because, again, the backdrop was Trump screaming, probably I want to nuke China. You know, like, (laughs) I can see Trump be like, what if I, what if, what if
4: I, what if I start a nuclear war? Would that be fine? (laughs) Millie, where you (laughs) at on that one?
3: So I can see that happening too. And Millie just be like, I'm going to make a phone call real quick, (laughs) y'all. Be right back, PRB.
5: (laughs) I think the Chinese counterpart was in the same spot. You know, he was watching Jinping ban Pooh Bear. Yeah or yeah, poop, right? or Winnie po- the Pooh, Winnie Pooh, right? the Pooh yeah. or Pooh so, Bear. So what more. if they like
4: you know they caught each other across the aisle one day and they just looked at each other? And we're like, we got to talk. We got to talk <laughs> real quick. <laughs> well, and that is a big point that at least I've seen reported it in the news at least about this alleged conversation. Because oh, keep in mind, is this That's is coming true. from Bob Woodward and his new book, <laughs> his ninety-fifth book about the Trump administration, um, and he's got you know two hundred uh, anonymous sources. It's kind of just a very sensationalized Bob. Woodward woodward piece of journalism oh, of so let's keep that in mind that being said if it is true absolutely what is being said is that after january 6th the chinese and their dignitaries their diplomats were very nervous right mm-hmm. about the u.s china stra- uh, relationship and so that's well, because yeah trump would love to say like we'll make
3: it a biggest explosion of all time all this right,
4: stuff. fire and fury like saying and fury. that a lot so uh the general consensus Um, and pun intended is that General Milley uh, went to the Joint Chief of Staffs. he kind of made some moves around the Pentagon and he kind of just made sure that there's a protocol right for anything like this uh, a a potential attack to happen and there's a protocol and he was like make sure I'm in the loop because his (laughs) point was that he would stop and you guys remember of course General John Kelly who served as head of Homeland Security under Trump he then became Trump's Chief of Staff that's when he resigned that's really what he came out said too that he was trying of course to hold the republic together Mm -hmm. yes and that seems to be the general consensus which of course is perfect fodder for a woodward book
3: and naturally (laughs) it plays into that's the deep state it plays into all of that stuff but of course let's not forget these were people uh, that donald trump appointed himself so the joint chiefs chairman again general mark milley according to Reports from this book, he moved, to, uh, he moved to limit former President Trump's ability to call for a military strike right. or launch nuclear weapons. Now, this was, again, after the January 6th Capitol riot. Uh, again, that is according to the book Peril. Um, according to Woodward and Costa, Robert Costa also wrote the book uh, with Woodward, uh, evidently, uh, they said that Milley was concerned that Donald Trump would go rogue. Um, According to the two journalists, Millie was, quote, was certain that Trump had gone into a serious mental decline in the aftermath of the election, with Trump now all but manic, screaming at officials Mm. and constructing his own alternate reality about endless election conspiracy. Um, Due to this perceived decline, uh, that is when uh, Milley convened a secret meeting at the Pentagon that was January 8th in order to review the process of military actions. At this point, Milley reportedly told or ordered senior military officials to not take orders from anyone unless he was involved, is what he had to say. He says, no matter what you are told, you do the procedure, you do the process, and I am part of that procedure. Uh, a person providing some perhaps checks uh, to the White House. Oh, and it is horrifying the idea of a uh, of a lunatic madman who would do anything such as start a war to remain in office. I wonder if anyone else did that.
2: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> right.
3: tricky Dick Nixon. Again, the man whose face is tattooed on the back of Trump acolyte, Roger Stone. Yes. So you have these people in Trump's ear and you know for a fact, Roger Stone, I was like, you got a bunch of weapons there, right? you got a whole million, you got a whole billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of military
4: there? Ooh, yeah. Why don't you use that? Okay, I will. That fire man, and fury.
3: Fire and fury. So that's just kind of another story right. coming it, out of the Trump administration post-January 6th. And we'll see what happens here coming up on the 18th as a... Hopefully, there will be some level of uh, appropriate discourse, but God knows what happens at that event.
4: And again, this is all alleged. Uh, the Pentagon and I believe Joe Biden have already put out statements saying that they have complete confidence in General Milley. The Pentagon has backed him up. It is interesting, though. None of them say if it's true or not. They're just, they don't acknowledge if it's true or not, but they do back up uh, General Milley and the potential actions he took with full confidence. And also, I mean, there wasn't a war. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's good. Yes, exactly. So everything ended up being fine. Obviously, though, kind of like with Blinken, this puts a big target on General Milley's back. Uh, You may recall a couple of months ago, he already had one. I think he basically just said in testimony that he was okay with critical race theory things like that, and that put a target on his back for all the Fox News pundits, your Mark Levins, your Sean Hannity's, but now, of course, everyone's calling for him to resign. I believe Marco Rubio's called for him to resign, so uh, Millie's going to be going through it here, but again, it's all based off of bob woodward's book so, so we'll, we'll find out
3: all right well just lastly when it comes to afghanistan we have left a load a shitload of military hardware mm-hmm. in a recent poll interestingly enough from the hill harris x poll they have found that 68 percent of registered voters said they considered uh, the left behind military hardware a big problem well 20 percent said it was small and 12 percent that it was no problem at all. Mm. So I think that that is about accurate when it comes to, um, yeah, it's a bit of a problem. And that has to do with, again, withdrawal and the symptoms that we're going through now as we withdraw from the forever war that was Afghanistan. But yes, of course, leaving that military equipment behind, it's not great. And it's another reminder why the U.S. trying to police the world is a bad idea. Because we go leave things in shambles, and we leave these destitute, poor, disheveled people with grade-A weaponry that will certainly be used at some point.
4: Yes, my God, $85 billion in military equipment. And like you said, it is just a symptom of the fact that when you have a $740 billion defense budget,
3: but, you know, it's so interesting. This actually breaks down, uh, this this poll breaks down and shows you, again, the idiocy of partisanship. So in this case, and just imagine if there was a Republican in office. 89% of Republicans said it's a big problem. Among independents, 65% considered it a big problem. Again, independents coming in as a relatively rational group. In this case, only 30% of Democrats said it was a big problem. I just hate that because yeah. Democrat, what are Democrat? Step up, Democrat. It's a huge problem. It's a big of problem. Of course, it's a big problem. We're leaving them a bunch. We're leaving them a lot of weapons yes. that can kill.
4: Yeah, eighty-five billion dollars is your taxpayer dollars. That's that's the biggest deal to me. Is that we we buy all these weapons with taxpayer money. We send it over there to back aside, and then yes, when you leave someone's going to get all that equipment. That's what happened in Libya. That's Uh what happens when we were involved in Syria, Iraq. It's just what happens when we keep, like you said, trying to police the world. Which
5: makes me bring up a a conspiracy theory. What if this was the agreement that Trump and Pompeo had made? We're going to leave all these things for
3: you. Just keep this place stable.
5: And then it just didn't work out if they wanted it to. Well, I
3: think as we saw again, as he mentioned, as Travis mentioned in uh, Libya, yeah, these things... Like the military equipment isn't just like on the side of the road, like in Libya, the uh, the uh, rebels that wanted to oust Gaddafi, uh, they they it was you know they they broke in. It was a massive military mm-hmm. confinement center. Mm-hmm. You know these are in very strategic locations. They're not just scattered everywhere. I'm sure there's some mines that are scattered mm-hmm. places, uh, perhaps not left by us, but nonetheless. So when it comes to who is going to end up grabbing them, I mean, it's fair game for anyone. And that's what's so scary. So you're going to have yeah. militia groups that get them. You'll have Taliban that get them. Theoretically, I suppose some some sympathizer might grab them. But, yeah, it is what it is. And it's unfortunate that uh, the U.S. Has, uh, has left those that equipment there. But, yeah, who knows? Maybe there was some deal where it's like, we'll leave you the goods. We've got to get out of here. Right. We're going to leave you our goods.
4: I mean, again, that's what Blinken was saying all this week is that they were just acting on the plan that was already designed. So, you know, when it comes to getting people mm-hmm. out – versus military equipment out maybe you're more concerned about the people in the humanitarian crisis let's
3: take care of the people and at the end of the day mm, bombs and bullets are expensive Mm. so perhaps at some point the taliban will just run out and they'll be like what is this useless thing like you see in (laughs) in libya you see like sometimes in libya i saw them using like really expensive grade a material as like you know a place to put your wet laundry to dry it off
4: but anyway. (laughs)
3: All right. Well, let's move on briefly to social media as we live in a world of divisive divisive rhetoric. Uh, and again, why do we have someone like that uh, aforementioned Rich out of Idaho being like, where's the, button? where's the button? Where's the button? Well, that's because he probably read something on Facebook mm-hmm. and the man has no actual integrity. So he decided to run with it. In the fall of 2018, Jonah Peretti, chief executor of online publisher BuzzFeed, emailed a top official at Facebook, And he talked about the divisive content um, of Facebook. Now, Facebook has said, we're trying to make it a healthier platform, but of course, that has not happened whatsoever. Now, Mr. Peretti, he actually blamed this massive overhaul on Facebook. Now, evidently, this this overhaul, it was a newsfeed algorithm overhaul, right? Mm -hmm. And so he said that, of of course, Zuckerberg is like, this is going to boost meaningful social interactions, which (laughs) I'm not sure have ever happened. But evidently, that was not at all the place. This is what a team of data scientists said regarding Mr. Peretti's claim. They say, our approach has had an unhealthy side effect on important slices of public content, such as politics and news. They go on, this is an increasing liability. That was a memo that was sent around uh, to the powers be at Facebook. They concluded that the new algorithm's heavy wane of reshared material in its newsfeed made angry voices louder. Quote, misinformation, toxicity, and violent content are inordinately prevalent among reshares. Uh, they go on to say in this eternal Facebook uh, internal Facebook report many parties, including those that have shifted to the negative, worry about the long term effects on democracy. So, Facebook. Even the people that created the algorithm, much like the people who helped create the internet who had to apologize because it's turned into a cesspool of madness, (laughs) even the people who are behind the algorithms in Facebook are
4: like, I think we're causing a lot of moms and dads to fight. Yeah. um, I think this is going to be Mark Zuckerberg's legacy, certainly Facebook's legacy. We came in and tried to make it better and make more people connected and we failed. He should have just kept it about butts and boobs. (laughs) <laughs> I think that was a different point.
5: website. No, was that, that was the entire The, the original point. design was to criticize women. Oh, really? Yeah. That's right. And That's a girlfriend. compliment, Fernando. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I,
4: I saw that movie, The Social Network. Jesse
3: Eisenberg, you're evil. Oh my! Well, he was also Lex Luthor, Luger, Luthor. Or Lex Luger's the rest, or Lex Luthor <laughs> doesn't like Superman. All right, he goes on to say, like any optimization, we're, again we're talking about this memo that was sent around Facebook. Like any optimization, there's going to be some ways that it gets exploited or taken advantage of. That's why we have an integrity team the integrity team of Facebook that is trying to track those down and figure out how to mitigate them as effectively as possible. So just a reminder that what you read on social media is curated for the negative and the whole point of doom spiraling and rage spiraling, you're doing exactly what they want. so please disconnect.
5: To me this is what the Zuck wants. You know uh, Mm -hmm. we don't buy things when we're happy Ben we buy things when we're scared. We don't believe things Uh, when we're happy. We believe things when we're scared you know. That's a good point. Uh, You know all the studies show that Instagram makes uh, young teenage girls more suicidal that increases suicidal
3: thoughts in people. And boys. Yeah, And boys but. I mean more men commit suicide than women for crying out loud.
5: So what you know that helps that helps sales. That helps sales. Right
4: right.
3: Disgusting yeah they're not gonna know they're ugly if we don't tell them they're fat. Exactly. And then you mark <laughs> hit like the, the new spandex.
4: Yes, right. No, you're absolutely right, Fernando. Oh. Just like politics, fear is such a motivating factor in this country when it comes to consumerism, when it comes to capitalism. And yeah, it's fair to say that social media just isn't bringing people we, the happiness we thought it would. I bet
5: you this uh, algorithm is directly correlated to an increase in sales. 100% well, for
3: sure. They made 86 billion bucks last year. So you're probably right about that. And as we talked about with. Institutions like the private prisons making money off of human suffering. I see Facebook and Twitter yep. very similarly. Where yep. And I don't just say this because it's a platform. If it was just a message board, I would be like, okay, people are doing what That's people Reddit. do. That's Reddit. But, and you look at Reddit. Mm. Reddit is like, I mean, it can't be very negative, <laughs> of course. But you can also just go to dumbass Reddit. <sighs> They're still stupid ass Reddit. I don't
5: know. I I feel like it's even more dangerous because at least Facebook you have to show your face. So there's uh, there's that layer of I shame. don't know. I'm mm. getting
4: hit up by a lot of accounts that I don't think these are real people. <laughs> yeah. A lot that's of very and true too. <laughs> it's just it seems
3: like the algorithm is a little bit less um purposeful. Mm, on Reddit. Okay, that's, that's all I'm yes. saying. And again, I'm a I I can barely put gas in my freaking car i don't know about (laughs) algorithms or anything like that but we do know for a fact the facebook algorithm was created to feed division in order to feed their bottom line which is getting more users aka data and then making money off of our data which is why we are currently the fetuses inside of the uh social media uh, womb inside of the social media womb just like that movie the matrix (laughs) (laughs) The right, so good thing I'm just, on parlor. Yeah, I'm on parlor. <laughs> get her. Where's the button? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God almighty.
5: The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit VALottery.com.
4: When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this...
3: This place doesn't look like the pictures. Come on, the doors are on back.
0: Ah, Is there a door behind all those spiders?
1: (gasps) It's time to try one that sounds more
4: like a vacation.
3: (sighs) Look at how many spiders there aren't.
0: Where should we lie down for eight consecutive hours first? Relax, you booked a
3: verbo. Uh, Ex-National Security Advisors sticking a little bit here talking about tech. Uh, They are concerned about antitrust laws. Interestingly enough, a dozen former top security officials, several of whom are paid by Google Mm. and Facebook, uh, one of those, of course, being Leon Panetta, Uh, they are being, again, paid by Google and Facebook. They are urging Congress to hold off on any antitrust bills that would lead to breaking up big tech companies. Uh, They argue uh, the measures could undermine the U.S. in its competition, (laughs) With China, I have a feeling, again, they are getting paid by them. And these are no more uh, honest people than Jared Fogle when he was whoring out Subway sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. these, they're just paid spokespeople.
4: Yeah, I mean, and keep in mind, Leon Panetta uh, was CIA director and then secretary of defense. So he knows where all the bodies are buried. And it's fascinating that post having such important positions in government like that, he went right over to big tech. Isn't
3: that fascinating? Big tech, don't forget, it is a psyop. It is a psyop. And uh, as the CIA has wormed its way into corporate media, as we see, it has also wormed its way into Facebook, TikTok, and Google. And I can imagine every other entity uh, that we interact with as they refuse to um, let anything good exist.
5: Mm. <laughs> My thoughts on this are are pretty clear. You know, they're they're, they're saying that we have to we have to stop these antitrust laws because then we can't form monopolies and then we can't form businesses with conflict of interest. So you're saying the only way to stop China is for us to become more authoritarian.
3: Yes. Fantastic. Of <laughs> That's it's, great. It's an
4: authoritarian race.
3: <laughs> I'm so happy about that. All right. Well, just um not quite. Lastly, but I do want to give one update on Elijah McClain's death. Obviously, we talked about that a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, the Aurora Police—it has been found after a probe that it was a racially biased policing. Um, there was uh, this past Wednesday, a hundred and eight-page, hundred and eighteen-page <laughs> report, rather, um, that uh, depicted the violations of the Aurora Police as they used excessive force uh, to kill this twenty-three-year-old boy, uh, according to uh, State Attorney General Phil Weiser, He says, the report released today demonstrates a consistent pattern of illegal behavior by the Aurora police, which can be witnessed at many levels of the department. Aurora does not create and oversee appropriate expectations for responsible behavior, which leads to the use of excessive force and the violation of the civil rights of its residents. So three officers and two paramedics are still charged. All five face counts of manslaughter and one count of negligent homicide. So, just a little update on the uh, death, murder of Elijah McClain. All right, let's get to something slightly lighter. Uh, let's talk a little bit about AOC and this dumb mm. freaking dress at the Met Gala. Mm. It's a dress that says, um, it it was a dress that says, says, it says, tax the rich. It's just hard again because she's at the Met Gala and you're looking at the wealthiest people legitimately in the world. That's not hyperbole whatsoever. She is around the wealthiest human beings in the world wearing a dress that says tax the rich. My question is, as I posed at the top of the episode, the commercialization and the monetization of activism is the death nail.
4: To activism. To activism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, I I would agree. I did like the move. I'm fine with, uh, you know, AOC doing anything that gets her some press. Um, Whatever. I mean, she should have –
3: whatever. I don't think – I don't like politicians. At the Met Gala, there was another uh, – Carolyn Maloney out out of New York was also there. But anyway, go on.
4: Well, again, I I'm all for AOC doing whatever she needs to do to get her name and face back out there on Fox News because Lord knows <laughs> there's no network on the planet that talks about AOC more than Fox News. So whatever gets those people riled, I'm fine with it. uh i i'm I'm with
5: Ben on this. It's just. You know, on the internet, you see everything, uh, like, uh, if you pay $20 for this bracelet, the plastic for the bracelet comes from the ocean. Sure, you sure, yes. Activism is becoming commercialized, and that, oh, yeah. like, that is the death knell, like, just what Ben says. There's no way that you can be activist and also be capitalist and corporate well
3: especially if your rhetoric is mostly socialist it doesn't you can't marry these two ideas not that socialism and capitalism can't coincide i mean you look at china china's technically a capitalist country um of course communist capitalist you know capitalism is just an economic policy uh, policy an idea you know that's not necessarily indicative of the politics of the nation Mm -hmm. so again you can be a fascist capitalist state, right. um, but it is just difficult when she argues constantly you know, about the dangers of capitalism and then the tax the rich rhetoric, which, okay, but again, when she's at a place that has 200, I think it was 300,000 300, bucks a table, table. 35,000 bucks a ticket, now granted she was gifted this, which I don't think makes it any better whatsoever mm-hmm. because somebody still paid it, and does this event need to happen at all? All of that money could have gone to something much, much better uh, as opposed to a showcase of um, of people who are so insecure, they need to seem better than the whole. And that's exactly why it's difficult to look at this and be like, oh, you're fighting for us at the <laughs> Met Gala. Yep. Right, right. So that's the problem. And I think she may have just said, this is a way I'm going to like get away with it. Or like, this is like my, mm. this is my like, this is how I do it. As opposed to just saying no to going to the Met Gala or just go to the Met Gala and just, just know that you are like every other politician who is willing to... To uh, accept (laughs) the three hundred thousand dollar gift, exactly. Accept the three hundred thousand dollar free meal. Yes, you know, just know that you're like you're you're just like anybody else. That's all they do. That's all they do. We Uh talked about that again on that documentary, The Swamp, where uh, I forget the name of the one fellow. He happens to be a Republican, but he was like, people come and meet me for two hundred thousand dollar dinners. He's like, I'm a charming guy, but not that charming. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And dare I say, no one is. Now, AOC was also slapped with an ethics complaint. Of course, this can be coming from a conservative group. Mm -hmm. um, Because. Because they believe that she accepting free tickets uh, was, again, an ethics uh, violation. Thomas Jones, founder of the American Accountability Foundation. Again, I'm sure Thomas Jones has been silent. while a lot of money was being spent (laughs) and a lot of fraud was occurring. But it is what it is. He had to say that she broke the House rules by accepting, quote, an impermissible gift of free tickets to attend the annual gala, which also was attended again by New York Democratic uh, Representative Caroline Maloney. So that got a little bit of news. And to me, it just seemed exceptionally cringy. And anyone who is a true activist looks at that like, oh, all right. It seems like there's no way that you don't become polluted by Washington. Grimes? Yeah, is no there? way.
5: Grimes, With there? a sword, yeah, made hey, of I a melted down AR-15, Ben.
4: Great! Oh, wow.
5: wow! I don't
4: so much symbolism at the <laughs> mat.
3: I, I hate rich people. <laughs> <laughs> we should tax and eat them. Just, I mean, mm. that's honestly not even the right re- tax. The rich is a, it's just an eat. <laughs> we need to tax corporations. Mm. It's not even the right message. Yep, I know because she's rich. She's doing better. She's in the top fifteen percent. She's doing what's rich. She needs to. Anyway, I know you can't put that on the back of a dress, but to me, (laughs) I mean, it's it's just all right. Never mind. I'm just done. (laughs) So also in the monetization of activism conversation, CBS has a new show called The Activist. Mm. Okay, this is uh, this is going to be with Usher and there's a few (laughs) other people involved as well. Priyanka Chopra, and Julianne Hugh. They are going to be the hosts, I believe, of an upcoming reality TV effort in which six activists compete against one another to see which one uh, is gonna be able to go speak at the G20 summit. Isn't oh, no. that interesting so that no one can listen to them there as well? So the <laughs> activists, it is, uh, this is according to the show. They say, quote, it's to bring meaningful change to one of three urgent universal causes, health, education, and the environment. The activists will compete in missions, media stunts, digital campaigns, and community events aimed at garnering the attention of the world's most powerful decision-makers. Demanding action now, the contestant's success will be judged not by impacting real-world change, however, or even by raising money, It'll be measured by how much social media engagement they
4: receive. Oh, no. The algorithm is oh, in full control. god, It's in control, folks.
3: So the entire thing is horrible. And as I mentioned, the winners get to attend the G20 Summit in Rome. Good. And they get to meet
4: world leaders. Oh, my God. What a crappy reward that is. You, you get
5: to become a meme like Greta Thunberg. Oh. What, that,
4: what, what true activism. Get a job with a giant corporation on a giant corporate network. Mm-hmm. And then you go get to meet
3: the G20. <laughs> Isn't that Woo! awesome? And what an environmental blessing it's going to be. As again, they put on an entire horse and pony show while doing absolutely nothing. This is why no one watches the Oscars. This is why nobody cares what elites say because it's all lip service and it just makes everyone who is suffering completely and utterly, oh, I'm trying to find the right word, oh, just crushed. It just makes them crushed because it's like you look and you see what the people do, you see the rhetoric, and then you're just like, wow, that's right. Yeah. I'm still fucked.
5: It's like the inertia of how much you, to even slow down the machine, the inertia of that would crush you. So it's within like, the machine. Yeah. It's like, how yeah. do you even.
3: What well, the thing is, we're going to become a cog in the machine, uh-huh. and I'm going to go slightly slower. Okay, <laughs> you get it. We're slowing down the machine. The machine. It uh,
4: reminds me of the, you are the machine. The Bill Hicks bit about uh, the marketing. Yes, dollar, of you know, course. Like, oh, Bill's going for the anti-marketing dollar. It is like corporations watched all the protests of last year, and instead of investing in politicians who believe in better criminal justice reform policies or things like that, they're like, let's put on dog pony show. Get some of these kids in here. Yeah. And then make them, make them go visit and shake hands with the G20. Also notice
3: the things that they are going uh, to talk about. These are relatively abstract, education being the least, environment, health, and education. Where's prison reform? where I mean, there's just so many things, so but many. you're going to choose this. Um, <sighs> and again, those are very serious issues, but this is not going to help change anything. According to Forbes writer Janice Gassum. Oh, Janice Gassim-Assar, she describes the idea, quote, as performance activism personified. She goes on to say many people lose their lives advocating for the most marginalized. These individuals should be amplified, venerated, and celebrated, not the folks who join a show to win a competition. If you're going into activism for fame and popularity then is it really activism? Wow. And that's why people diss all over Sean King all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not even getting into the race stuff because I don't know this, that, and the other. But um, that's why they shit on him all the time. 100%. Because all he does is try to make money Similarly to a politician yeah. you know how disgusting that is you see a natural disaster or a political disaster or act of terrorism and you're like let's get the mailers out right and that's, that's what, what they
4: think like that 's what Al Sharpton of course was always accused for as well is that he wouldn't show up to a, a funeral unless of course there was money involved so yeah. it's activism capitalism almost mm.
3: absolutely and I am all for it if it actually creates social change my gut Tells me, uh, these events aren't going to help too much.
4: Right. The nice thing is about this TV show, The Activist, is that there is a button that you can press Whoa! to make it go quiet. Whoa,
3: it's the mute button. All right, everyone. Don't forget to check out The Activist. It'll make you feel so good sitting at home. Right. Good Just Lord. Just scrolling. Almighty. Just scrolling. Doom scrolling. I'm trying to get the likes. I'm going I'm to win the next activist competition. All right. Well, you know what you could do? Mm. Um, harness poop. Oh, ooh. yep. That's what they're doing now. I forget where it is, but a man has created a toilet that will harness poop, and uh, you can get quite a bit of energy from just a single deuce. Oh, so anyway, a, lot of, a lot, lot of calories, a lot of cows. calories. Sure, yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening.
4: May I pay tribute to a comedian who passed away this week? Who Oh, did my get,
3: goodness. We must.
4: Yes. He did get vaguely political. And so I think it does fit here.
3: Of course, we lost Norm MacDonald this week. It's devastating. I'm like truly I've been bummed all week as soon as I found out my plane landed yesterday. And uh, then I found out and I can't believe it. Sixty one years old. My favorite comedian. Um Perhaps of all time, I just loved him and he had a chance to do the White House correspondence dinner, which some of our younger listeners might not remember because I think they canceled it. Uh, right. Because which they're so because sensitive. After our friend Michelle Wolf, literally Michelle Wolf. She did great. We've known year for years. They couldn't handle it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, (laughs) it was. uh, Anyway, so uh, Trav, what's this clip you want to set up?
4: It's a tradition that has been, I think, gone back all the way to Kennedy's administration. But the White House press correspondence dinner, they would bring in a comedian to roast the president, to roast the correspondents, to roast Washington. Bring people down a little bit. Let them feel like they're humans again. Exactly. And, of course, Norm MacDonald, my first memories of him, he was the Weekend Update anchor on Saturday Night Live in the mid-'90s pretty much around the age when you start watching oh, he was the uh, best. Saturday Night Live. He was the GOAT. He, he was, was the GOAT. He was truly the GOAT, so they brought you know, him
3: in. You know he was fired because he kept on making fun, fun of, of OJ o. J. for being Simpson, a murderer. Which, <laughs> which, Evidently, the, one of the executives was friends with OJ. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's why they fired him? That's why
4: they fired him. They told Ooh. him to stop making so many OJ jokes. He refused. Because he's a murderer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, of uh. course, Norm Macdonald can, continued to murder on the airwaves yes, he did. Um, at O.J. Simpson's expense. But this is a great clip, just a quick clip from the White House Correspondents' Dinner 1997 when they had both Daryl Hammond come in and do a Bill Clinton impression, and then Norm had to follow that. And, uh, you know, it's just classic Norm. He did an amazing job. But here he's doing it in front of Washington's political right. let's, elite.
3: Let's give it a listen. There he is. Nice dimples. I forgot the dimples. Great
4: Canadian
2: dimples. All right. I won't be as funny as that last bit. <laughs> Just so you know, you know. Uh, well, a good evening, well, Mr. Prime. President, Mrs. First Lady, uh, the distinguished the Bill members Clinton's of the president. radio and television correspondence dinner, you know. When I accepted the honor of uh, performing here tonight, one thought crossed my mind, and that was, uh, please, God, don't let me bomb in front of the President. <laughs> 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 I'm not uh, worried. What the hell do I care? You know, I got—I worked on all my jokes. I got a lot of help from uh, from my joke writer, Don Imus. He was uh, helped me a lot. <laughs> Are you familiar? You know, this guy—he's a funny guy. He wrote some jokes. <laughs> Anyways, the dinner was great. Enjoy the dinner. We had some salmon. That yeah, was delicious. It was great, and uh, I thought it was—you know—I thought it was refreshing to see Democrats serve something other than subpoenas for a change. I thought that was nice, you know? Whoa, here we go. We 1997.
4: Go. I'll be what doing some jokes
2: later. I just thought I'd... <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, there's Richard Shelby <laughs> from Alabama. Not smiling. No. Not smiling or laughing. But you know, it is rather daunting Such to me. You know, I'm just a guy,
2: you know? What the hell am I? And here I am, you know, I look out, I see President Bill Clinton, you know, I see Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, you know, media mogul Rupert Murdoch, you know, uh, broadcast legend Larry King, you know, uh, pornographer Larry Flint, you know, <laughs> Dick Morris. The list is starting to drop off a little, folks, but <laughs> still, you get the idea. It's daunting. And, of course, it was very inspiring to see President Clinton up here on crutches making a speech. I mean, I thought that was just uh, amazing, you know, uh, I mean, it's been difficult for the president, you know, he can't jog now, and uh, he needs help getting around, and he still, you know, he still uh, occasionally suffers great pain, you know. Uh, on the upside, you got your medical marijuana, so that's, uh,
4: you know. There you go, 1996, really nice. yeah. happened in California.
2: Wow. Here it comes. <laughs> you must inhale, sir. It's the only way you're going to get better. It's- All right boom crushed
3: <laughs> applause break for norm and applause break for norm uh, wherever he is right now uh, it was uh, just devastating so hug someone if you love him no one knew that he was ill even his closest friends he didn't tell him all right well all right everyone hope you're doing well out there we'll be back with you a little bit later on in this week to break down further news hail yourselves everyone we'll talk to you soon This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just
5: listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
1: You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.
4: Packages by Expedia. You were made to be rechargeable. We were made to package flights, hotels, and hammocks for less. Expedia. Made to travel.